Welcome to Profitable Powerhouse Properties with the AHI Group. My name is Jonathan Cook. And I'm Brian Jenkins. Welcome to another week of wonderful property uh, information. Making education. Money. Education. Uh, all, all the Asians with the properties and, and owning owning properties that are going to make you money. In yeah, so today, man, today I'm excited because we get to squarely put on our property manager hats. Yeah, we do. And we're talking property management back to the investor clients. Are we going to add another P in this, too? Uh, we've been, we have we've been, a lot of these. We have, we have a lot of them. I'm right in the top of three, three in a row. It is, it is a plosive podcast that you are participating in. You have the pleasure of participating in. Anyways, we've we've teased it for uh, so many weeks now. I don't know. At least six. Some episodes you haven't even heard yet. <laughs> but I think I think Brian, in the last one, the last episode we recorded, I don't think we mentioned it once. Maybe we did. I think we did actually. And I think you're right. Yeah, we did. We did. We might have. All right. So it's probably in every episode. I think it might be. (laughs) We're going to talk about pets. All right. Everybody, it's pets. It's pet day. It's pet podcast. It is Brian's pet peeve of property owners, property managers, landlords, and pets. Pets. Time for pets, Brian. Uh, Pets. Pets. Who has pets? Do you have pets? I have pets. pets, Yes. Yeah. Okay. I've got, I've got some big pets. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I saw I saw Brian's pets last week. The, I mean, they're puppies. I mean, Chesney's how old? He's ten months. He's ten months old. He's, he's, he's a, seventy plus pounds. Really right? gracious! He's like a horse walking around the place. He was here in the office and just trotting around. I was like, somebody give me a saddle. Right, this guy. The, I mean, all right. Who who other than us? I, I have two black labs. So they're uh, one's a female. She's uh, about fifteen months old. She can play in the outfit. Actually, six. Well, wow, sixteen months. Catch. Yeah. Oh man. She is a, I call her a ball hawk, man. Oh, she is man. drilled in. And that's the funny thing is I took her to the dog park and I toss this ball and she will run and run and run. And I'm convinced she would run until she passes out. Mm-hmm. I mean, she will not drink water. She will not take a treat. She will not let anything well, deviate her. Yeah, she doesn't stop. She's just hype, hype, hype. I, I got into the... And she's a lab. It's not like she's a terrier. No. Right? She's just I, I, got in, I got into ball throwing with Jet when she was here in the office the other day. She's, I mean, <laughs> I mean, Chesney would steal the ball every time that she would pick it up. She would bring it all the way back to me, and then Chesney would just basically stay by me. And he would take the ball out of her. It was almost like a, a, a high-quality relay team. It really is. It was like it's, stealing it's it right out of her. She never even hit the ground. No. I mean, he takes the hand off, and then he immediately looks at me like, here you go. I just take it. I mean, I, I mean, I was my arm got a little bit tired. I was launching that thing. I mean, for a Yeah, I, I have one of those ball launch, you know, the, oh, yeah. the, the plastic deal where you can... You know, you can multiply the distance of your throw probably by two. And really, all that's doing is giving you a little bit of time on your arm. Yeah, that's true, because it wears her out. And she is like, I mean, I've had her to multiple dog parks, and she's one of the fastest dogs always at the dog park. And uh, and again, singular focus. So, But, uh, you know, we love them. They're, they're part of our lives. They're our families. And they are a huge part, huge part of the oh, market. Yeah, they are. And, and I have a dog. I have a boxer. Yep. I'm going to have to, I mean, Biggs would be really upset if I didn't mention him after we there talked about Chesney. But I mean, I have, I have a, I have a boxer and he is sweet as can be. He's not quite as, as crazy and hyper as Jet and Chesney are, but he's. Which is unusual for boxers. Well, I mean, he's, he's, he's hot, but, yeah. but Jet's. Oh, she's yeah. she's on point, man. But I mean, Biggs, he's he's I mean, he's almost eight years old. That, that has something to do with. But it. I mean, he's still up and running and jumping. He'll jump over your shoulder, and he's he's excitable. But I mean, he slobbers just constantly. I mean, he's a boxer. He's got those big old jowls. Yeah. Just, I mean, he, if he's every time he goes to the water bowl, it's like he's been in the desert for forty five years. Even if I just have, even if he's just emptied the thing, I put more water in, and he's acting like he's. I mean. 
he's been on an expedition, man. I got I got to get this water in me so fast. This is the most important thing in existence. And he makes an absolute mess yeah. just with that water. And that's, I think, every every property owner, landlord's nightmare is, oh, these dogs. Yes. Oh, they make a mess. Oh, these cats. Well, oh, that's, these, that's what they hear about. Oh, these mini ponies, whatever whatever you got. <laughs> oh, they're, they're, they're making a mess. They're jumping. They're scratching. I got hardwoods. They're claws. Uh, what do we do, Brian? What do we, what, what, why? Well, first of all, why should these homeowners, why should the landlords, why should our listeners Why go, should you even consider allowing pets in your yeah, Why would you ever okay. let these little balls of destruction <laughs> that we all know and love, why should we let them into <laughs> our rental properties? Why do, why do we say, hey, I know on our contract we ask you if you want to let pets in here, but we're, why Why is it that when we bring in a property and we go, you want to allow pets? Yeah. Why is that something that we do? Well, right? the the... The main reason is because such a high percentage of applicants have pets and uh, at least one pet. So there was a, a national study that was performed a couple of years ago, and that percentage was near 70 percent of all applicants. I think we even referenced it back in one of our earlier episodes. You said, you know, yeah, you would be excluding three. nearly, you know, three quarters of nearly the three quarters of the market just going by not allowing a pet. And I always come back to this story. I've got an industrial client mm-hmm. years. Uh, he's been with me for years. But at this great little house, and he, you know, he buys houses, he um, rehabs for buy and hold. He does all his own rehabs. Uh, he's got a few properties with us. But, you know, I remember back in the day when we were, you know, a three-person shop here, I would be signing owners and leasing. And, uh, yeah, and when I signed it, it's like, right there, yeah, I mean, this, this house is in a cul-de-sac. It's got a huge fence backyard. And I'm like, three bedroom. I'm like, you know, you're, you're going to draw, you're going to draw some renters with pets. I mean, just the fact that it's got a privacy fenced backyard, it's fully enclosed mm-hmm. and you're on a cul-de-sac. You're, you're going to, I don't want to allow any pets. Okay. So what I did was, you know, my, and I still remember to this day until we got around the first 17, 17 applicants so many. had pets. Okay. And I would report back to them. Hey, we got this person that's interested in renting your property, but they've got a dog. No, I don't want to take him. Well, we got to number 17 and he changed his mind. And since then, and that's been 15 plus years, he has been renting to people with pets. Yeah. And we are just positioning him, uh, in which will, in ways that we'll talk about today, uh, so that you can offset kind of your risk, uh, your risk for some damages. But I would like to start with, this, the truth of the matter is such a small percentage of what we see, are we seeing pet damage with any financial magnitude? I mean, it's it's typically small stuff like well, a chew blind sure. or a scratched back door where they're trying to get back well, before in. We, I mean, I know the national number is mm-hmm. somewhere around 70, 70 plus. What is what is AHI? AHI. So out of five marketplaces, we, uh, we are holding just above 63% of our applicants mm-hmm. have pets. That's God. That's so many guys. Yeah, that is and, and, so. And, and that number climbs occasionally because sure. we'll find an unauthorized pet, and uh, <laughs> and which we uh, just went through one of those last week. And uh, you know, we've obviously we, we learned and uh, we built a provision within our lease agreement that you have an unauthorized pet. It's going to be financially painful to you as the tenant. Yeah, and uh, it's it's enough even to get your attention. Sitting, that's right. There's no such thing as just pet sitting. You know, that's that's where everybody out. starts. Yeah, I was just pet sitting for my friend. But anyway, so we prohibit uh, where they're not allowed. Uh, or if they, you know, the, the worse yet is when we get an applicant that says, oh, I've got this dog. Well, it's going to be a, you know, it's going to be a non-refundable pet fee plus pet rent. Oh, I'm not bringing this dog with me. Well, that even if they're being truthful and they don't bring the dog with them mm-hmm. as a pet owner, that flags, that throws a flag for me because oh, yeah. I'm like, 
you really just, if you don't care about the animal enough, are you going to care about the house? Are you going to care about the house? That's right. And uh, mm-hmm. so people that make the provisions and, and pay the fees and knowing, uh, because, you know, when you're, when you're truly integrated with a pet, I mean, pet, people have pets for all types of reasons, but the general public, the pet that they have is a member of their family. They love that member of the family. And this is a question that I, I, I don't, I honestly don't know the answer to here. I think generally when we talk about pets and pets being a member of the family and we all think of dogs and cats, right? Yeah. Typically. Maybe sometimes a a bird. Right. That's that's a pretty common. That's rare. I've had a handful of birds over the years. What what do we consider for for pet rent? Do we charge pet rent for somebody that has, for instance, a gerbil or Um, a rabbit? It's it's really up to the owner. Uh, We had had a case, another case that uh, presented itself Friday where we went in and uh, did a periodic walkthrough and found um, some aquariums in the property. Mm-hmm. And the aquariums had lizards and snakes and, you know, just a couple of Okay, things. that's a little bit different than called It is. But still, it's in that same, uh, I'm going to call it the same genre, okay. basically, because you have an aquarium and you have something. Now, is it a, a fish is not going to come out of a, an aquarium. No, typically. but I mean, a snake is a predator. Right, right. That's right. But, you know, you have to have that approved on the front end. Yeah. The owner has to agree to it. Uh, snakes are not protected class, uh, yeah, <laughs> nor are lizards or fish or anything else. So you just have to weigh out your risk assessment. But like a, a fish, typically, if it's just a standard 10-gallon aquarium or something simple, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of owners will... That's like a round... Yeah, they're not going to... Either that or a rectangular shape. Sure, I okay. think uh, my daughter had one 10-gallon, had a filtration system, a light, yeah. and, you know, all that. But... But most owners will not charge extra for that. So but if, got a beta. if you have a 150-gallon well, aquarium, yeah. um, you know, there's a risk of, hey, if that's not handled correctly, if it falls and 150-gallon of water flushes out in my living room, what's going to happen? So there's some risk there, and, and typically a homeowner will charge a fee for that, not necessarily a pet rent, but a okay. either a, a non-refundable pet fee or a refundable pet deposit. Okay. And that's, that's, just, like, that's just covering in case something. In case of. Because it's not going to be something that... A fish is not causing normal wear and tear, additional wear and tear on the property. That's that's right. I mean, that's anything right. that's enclosed. But what about what about a gerbil? I mean, that still kind of goes back to that same thing of just let them approve it, yeah. as long as it's not being let out or yeah, gerbil, hamster, mice, you know, whatever. Sure. Uh, there's still the risk of them getting out. They're not predators per se. Yeah. Uh, maybe if you have a gerbil and a snake, maybe that solves itself. <laughs> <laughs> then you get like a big cat. Like, what do you do to that? Oh, good gracious. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's kind of, again, back in the same genre. It's up to the owner. We present to the owner. Wow, we saw today. had its own little pet snake, too. Right? It did. Okay. In the front yard, yeah. The front yard. Yeah. Yeah. You almost stepped on it. <laughs> hey, well, yeah. General contractor's a little bit freaked out. Yeah, he was. Hey, he I want to get snakes and dead snakes. That's a big guy. He's fine. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, so we do see it all, but the most common applicants that you receive are going to be applications with dogs and or cats. Sure. So. Okay. So what do they, what do they cost? What, what is the cost to a homeowner when a tenant has one? What, mean, what, are, what are the risks? Yeah. What are the risks and then, and the turn costs? What are they, what are they, what damage are okay, they causing? Okay. What are they? Well, typically, why so would somebody say, I don't want one? Let me speak to the risk factor first, because typically you see that with dogs. Okay. And the risk factor, obviously, with a dog is going to be the bite factor. Um, and then a lot of insurance carriers will actually prohibit 
what they deem as aggressive breeds. Okay. And, uh, and we're no different. Uh, we've adopted uh, five five breed-specific uh, dogs that we actually decline okay. uh, if they're standard pet application based on the insurance company's, their, their general feedback. Is that something that did, our, our sister company, is that something that they also do? Uh, Pretty standard. You know, I, I need to ask the guys that okay. question. I know that that's just a policy that we have as yeah. a as a firm. Sure, I'm so just, I'm just yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure their stand on that. Uh, I don't know that we talked about that when we, we had really, on. We didn't. That's so we probably need sure. to clarify that sure. and circle back uh, at a later episode. But but uh, but anyways, those breed specific and, and um, exclusions and those are typically you know if you have a mainstream carrier, uh, they may exclude them from coverage because they have a higher risk of bite or aggressive behavior. Right. So that's that's the risk piece of it from a liability standpoint. The other side of it would be the damage piece. Okay. And we alluded to it on an earlier uh, episode that typically what we see is you might have a, an issue with a, a room of carpet, per se, okay. uh, where you're replacing one room of carpet in the padding. Mm-hmm. Um, you may, I think I spoke to it earlier, you may have a, a blind on a door that's chewed up because of, you know they're trying to get out or one out or dreaming of being outside and playing and chasing that ball we talked about um, and then the same thing once they get out there they realize hey I went back inside so and then they're, yeah, they're scratching scratching the door finish or whatever uh, for a dog and obviously for cats cats tend to spray or mark uh, so there's a high risk of that which actually declines once they're fixed okay. so and then some people have very distinct allergies to 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 cats. Yeah, pet dander. Uh, yeah, pet dander. And, and even to dogs. I've seen okay. some of that um, in years past. But And then once they're in the in property, it's hard to get that removed sure. completely. So so those are the risks you run. But to exclude them, again, you are you are phasing out 70% of the rental applicants. And I think average. going through those those numbers of what all can't happen, that sounds scary. I mean, It sounds scary, but financially, you know, we kind of alluded to it. In an earlier episode, I was listening to it the other day, but we we talked about you know the three things that I mentioned might be a five hundred dollar repair total. I mean, even for carpet and having to replace a package, yeah, room of carpet. Well, mm-hmm. that's not bad at all. No, it's not bad at all. What is the and a lot of that's the bulk say? buying power that we have as True. well on carpet. Okay. You know, we have a lot of carpets and flooring installed, and people changing out things. It's not due to pet damage yeah. per se, but it's more you know changing styles out or just normal wear and tear over years because we have a lot of long term mm-hmm. long term clients. Uh, but there's some buying power in that. Sure. What is the what is the worst case scenario? What is the worst you've seen? Because I, I know the worst I've seen is probably still, I mean, not much different than that. Maybe maybe fifteen hundred. Yeah, the very worst one I've seen is uh, two two dogs, single owner occupant. Okay. Um, single owner occupant worked a couple of jobs and was never home and left the dogs in the household to fend for themselves per se. Um, and this is you know this is not the norm. I just want to. Uh, promote that, <laughs> but, that uh, yeah, but they actually, in this case, it was early on in our management career as a, as a firm, and they had chewed on um, trim finish baseboards, <clears throat> staircase trim, uh, blinds, window ledges on the inside and the outside. Um, dug, dug up the backyard. Sure. Um, you know, there's several things. And ultimately, at move out, we identified prior to move out, and we were already had them in violation. They vacated early because mm-hmm. they didn't want to repair or fix. They were trying to run from it. So we had an early termination issue, but we pursued them. And uh, I'll never forget, we turned them over for collections. We opted to, the owner opted to go with a collection agency and we uh, put on their credit and wasn't long. They got transferred to Atlanta, went to buy a house. Guess what? 
hey, there's something on your credit that needs to be cleared up with your prior <laughs> management company. And uh, in the interim, before they got to the point where they put a contract on the property, we had sent them all kinds of correspondence. And at one point, we had some dialogue going. It was like, you know what? You pay this by, you know, within the next 14 days, we're going to reduce it by X amount of dollars. Yeah. And, uh, and then they missed that window, and we just went back up to the yeah. full rate, and then we sent them another notice out. So the funny thing was, when they went time to, to get their mortgage, and they're like, hey, you're going to have to settle this. And, of course, they wait till the last minute. Hey, I'm closing. I'm closing tomorrow. I need to I need to get this taken care of. And in this case, uh, they're like, hey, you offered it at, you know, let's say 25% off. And it's like, no, 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 no. We that got was, 14 days. Yeah, yeah 14-day window for that. And uh, ultimately, they drove over the morning of closing oh from Atlanta, drove paid us in certified funds and we verified it was paid and done and it went back later in that afternoon and closed the property back in Atlanta. So that's what I, you know, get them in the end type scenario. And it took a couple of years, honestly. You know, you have to be patient with collections sometimes, but it took about two years to get that resolved. I think we could have a full episode on collections. Oh, and we need to, probably. I agree. Um, And not just collections, but collections and and, and evictions. and the whole process. Yeah, because I I think, I don't think everybody understands um, the time that sometimes that can take, and I think this is a prime example. Yeah, they were we, talking to me on another client with a... And in the future, if you see a, a title for an episode enabled something about evictions or something, just be aware that that story is probably going to also be in there again. Yeah. Just because it's... <laughs> Don't neglect that episode, though. It's not, it's not it's always exciting stuff, story. but it is, it's, it's definitely information oh, you need to know. It's exciting. Yeah. Oh, it, well, it can be. some scary stuff. Um, eviction but at the... You know, at the same time, there's we also have a client that didn't understand the difference in the state between an ejection yeah, and an eviction, and the time, time and cost associated with that. And an ejection within our market is, you know, when you have a foreclosure situation and a previous owner is living in the property and you have to get them out. So it's not a standard eviction action. Uh, it's called an ejection. So different, uh, totally different. We won't dive into that today, but yeah. it's, it's out there. <laughs> Um, and I think, oh, well, well, let's get back to what that pet cost was, that worst one that we saw. So what is worst case scenario? That one ended up, I know it sounded like a, a lot, but it was really uh, 2300 20, was the actual damage, roughly. Uh, it's a little bit less than that, but I'll round up. And then okay. uh, ultimately, after two years and, and some additional fees and stuff tatched on, you know, we added about 35% to that. So. So it ended up being a big, a big payment from them, and we were able to satisfy that and satisfy okay. the owner. Yeah. And uh, even that owner was no longer a client at that sure. point; they'd already they, sold the house. Yeah. And uh, obviously, Did they get their money back. Is that what happened? They got their money okay. back. Yeah, they got their money back. They obviously had to do the repairs when they sure. sold the property uh, to make it whole, but they got their money back. Plus, right. you know, they got a little bit of uh, additional. So we were able to uh, make that work out. So in these cases where there is some damage done, where is that money? Unless they run. To Atlanta or wherever. <laughs> where, where, where is that money coming from? If you've got okay, you've got a tenant, and they're they're in a property, and you know they've got their their security deposit is is a one month's rent, so mm-hmm. that, that's in there. And let's say their security deposit is thousand. We'll just use thousand dollars. Thousand dollars. And so then, but they are with us, so they're paying pet pet deposit, pet rent, yeah, as well. Um, and I, we'll get into pet rent. I think that's. It's own subject in itself, but while we're talking about doing repairs, I wanted to get this. Yeah, in the deposit or non-refundable yeah. pet fees. Sure. So where, where does that money come out? You got you got crazy pet, and they cause eight hundred dollars worth of damage. They've dug up some carpet. A Tasmanian devil. Yeah, you, you got a crazy little yeah. Jack Russell or something. He's so the beauty um, trying to catch all the badgers. Yeah. So there's two, two approaches, and if you're one approach that I used to, we um, started off with first year of management as a firm. 
we actually modeled after our corporate housing company, which was exclusively non-refundable pet fees. Okay. About a year into it, I made a switch going to uh, pretty exclusively. And I say that because if an owner had objection to it, I would still go back to a non-refundable, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, we have some owners that did that. Um, but the bulk, our standard practice was to go with a refundable pet uh, deposit. Okay. And how does, like, how does that work in, in setting up those differently? Uh, setting them up differently. So, and what I would say first, there's a couple benefits to it. So, the benefit that we projected and we ran with for several years was that if an owner, a pet owner, has additional money on the line, they're more likely to make sure that Fifi is able to go outside. They're not chewing on stuff. They shouldn't be chewing on, scratching up, whatever. Yeah. Um, so they're being a little bit more diligent in their care of the animal. Okay. okay? So they could get the additional money back. Yeah. So they're not just throwing the money away. And the flip side of that was we saw, for the first year, we saw what we believed to be more pet damage than we should see because we felt like the owners were prepaying their damage by paying a non-refundable pet fee. Money okay. was gone. Okay. So they're less likely to take care. Sure. Okay. And again, I'm not trying to necessarily influence anybody's decision one way or the other. You kind of have to weigh out what's, what's going to be your operational standard for that as an owner. Because we still offer the option. We do offer either or. And okay. we just set that up on the front end, as you know, as a business development manager signing new properties that we just determine as when we're interviewing the owner, it's like, okay, here's your options. You have this option or this option, and here's the benefit of the other. The, the benefit of the additional deposit and the way we have it um, worded in our pet addendum is that the extra deposit, it, it adds to. So let's say our average market right now per animal is a $250 non-refundable deposit. That's okay. acceptable within our marketplace, okay? And the other thing that I would add is my personal preference and recommendation to investors is never allow more than two two animals in your home, limited down to two animals in the rental property. We have just found once you get up to the three and beyond, mm-hmm. if you're in a A, B neighborhood near, maybe you're in a regulated HOA and sure. community, some of those actually have restrictions against any more than two animals. So you need to make sure you check your rules and covenants. But then we also see an increase in damage averages once you add that third and beyond into the mix. So, Is that even including if it's two dogs and a cat? Yes. Okay. Uh, you know, the two dogs may love to chase the cat around sure. the house. Um, the cat may like to scratch on the stair railing going upstairs. And uh, and then the dog chase. you know, it's just never-ending. Um, entertaining. One of each, you got a dog, cat, and a small rodent-type Ferret. Ferret. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Bunny rabbit. So, so this is saying... Honey a, badger. <laughs> let's say in the scenario that there, there's no pet damage. Sure. Then all of a sudden you've got a 1250 deposit. Which okay. you can draw against instead mm-hmm. of a thousand, so it's an extra deposit. Can you use the regular security deposit? You can. It goes, it goes, it goes either direction. Okay. So the way we're set up is that if, if you have no pet damage and you have the extra pet deposit, it adds to the the sum of the uh, total deposits held. And then the other the other side of it is if you have um, damages. Uh, pet damages that exceed the amount of the pet deposit, you can tap into the normal security deposit okay. as well. So it's just an extra security deposit. Okay. It's just it, you start it from there. You, right. you start taking money out of the pet deposit first and then right. move on it. And then we have some larger investors and portfolio owners that, that just exclusively across the board do a non-refundable pet fee. Okay. And they bank that as an income stream. Okay. If you go with that strategy, I would encourage you, you know, if you're just getting started, take that money, set it aside for that what-if scenario mm-hmm. that might occur. You Don't can use it for that pet deposit yet. Yeah, and, and not just toward pet damages, sure. but you can use it 
you know, if you we're going to pay it out to you. So mm-hmm. if you use it for something, put it against your your maintenance reserve. Okay. You know? So for toward repairs that are going to happen on your property and be required. So when that when that AC needs, some yeah, just don't go out and buy a new fishing pole or whatever. You know, keep it. I like to do my own investing as we have a rental account and we put all of our rental proceeds in there, and I don't draw anything. That's just my preference on yeah. different LLCs. Some I'll draw on, the other ones I won't touch. So I know that there's going to be some maintenance expenses that come up. No, let's talk about, okay, that's how that's where the money's coming from when you have damage. Mm-hmm. Right, we've talked about how many pets, you know, you should have, some a little bit of some horror stories, what, we, what we've got. Now, how do we, how do we determine which pets are we going to allow on a property? Do we, I mean, I know we've already said that there's, <laughs> there's classes that we say, all right, no, we're not letting any of these... You know, right. dogs restricted breeds. Restricted right. breeds. Now, now, what if somebody, what if somebody has something that's like a boxer? I mean, they seem okay. I mean, but they, I mean, do we let boxers in? I mean, yeah, I'll oh, tell oh. you the one dog bite. Yeah, I've had one dog bite in yeah. 19 years. Guess what breed it was? I'm gonna guess it's something small. It was a boxer. Was it a boxer? Yes. No, yeah. not my boy. But it was a situation where we, we told our playing, we told our HVAC contractor. I mean, the tenants like, you know, I'm gonna have him in this room. Don't go in this room. You'll be fine if you don't bother this room. Yeah. HVAC contractor got the message and went into that room and got bit on the head. So, oh, no. Yeah. It was so, a playful bite. It happened. It normally wasn't a yeah. dog, so, but it can happen. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so, yeah, so it's, and, and boxers are not on our restricted breed no, list, by the way. So. But, uh, yeah, it's a fun fact that the, the one dog bite I've had in all these years is been a boxer. <laughs> well, how, how, how do we determine on a pet deposit? I mean, are they all, do we tell everybody a flat rate's fine? Or do, I mean, because clearly, if you've got a bigger, if you have a, Say a St. Bernard. They're not a vicious creature, but they're giant. One of the girls in the office has one. They're huge. Yeah, yeah. So do, do, you, do you charge the same? name's Daisy. Oh, God. <laughs> do, we, do we charge the same for a, a St. Bernard, which is the size of a horse, well, no, as we do for a uh, Maltese, which is smaller than this microphone? Right. So the cool thing, um, you know, when you're, when you're screening for pets, so a mm. couple things that we currently do. And I say currently because we're probably going to change how we do this at some point this year and actually use a third-party provider, which we're going to, yeah, I'll I'll throw it out there, give give John a free plug. But vetscreening.com is a service that we're uh, considering using. We've just got some other systems we're implementing first before we get to that. Let's talk about what we do now. Right, so we'll we'll talk to uh, what we do now. But now... you know, when you sign an owner up, it's like, okay, or remark an existing client. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, what are your pet preferences, right? Uh, because pets are, I'm going to say they're not protected class, but we're going to get into a couple examples on how they can be perceived as such. But Some the, uh, like they are. Yes. Um, so what I mean by that is you can be as specific as you want to be. You can say, I don't want to allow any cats, but I'm open to dogs up to 20 pounds. Or okay. whatever, okay, which would exclude your Saint Bernard and you know that sort of thing. So you're not excluding your seventy percent of your market. Sure. But you're taking a, a smaller chunk of that and excluding. Uh, and then we've got other people that only allow cats and won't allow dogs. You know, but the thing is, we present pet to the owner, and part of the application process requires that the applicant submit a picture okay. of the pet or pets. And we keep those on file. And the reason we do that is because when we go out to do the periodic after they move in, they've said, hey, I've got a uh, miniature poodle. And we get out there, and they've got the St. Bernard. <laughs> it's like, you know, this doesn't match up. And the funny thing is, it's not only do we have the picture on file uh, uploaded to our software, but our field techs actually have access. Anytime our software generates a work order, sure. it pulls the pet information in, not to include the picture, but the description. Okay. In a separate place within our software, it, it asks breed, approximate weight, and age. 
of the pet. So those are three parameters that any of our field techs going out to perform those or a third-party vendor that goes out um, to perform a, a pet inspection or a periodic walkthrough has that information they're armed with it. So they see something out of the ordinary, they document it, bring it back, and we address it from yeah. the office. So that's kind of a, uh, a good way to do that. And again, an owner can have as much control over that process as they like. You know, and the crazy thing is I've had owners that I wouldn't think would approve a certain number of animals. I remember a couple of years ago, another long-term client, he's traditionally been okay with pets, but not a lot of pets, no more than two, right? So we have this executive couple. They've sold a house. They happen to have five dogs. And they moved into uh, Pelham, actually, right up the street from us. Oh, really? Because uh, this homeowner said, "I'll take him, but I'm gonna. This is gonna be my. This is gonna be my refundable. You want the refundable pet deposit? Okay. And these are my pet rents for the month, which well, I know we're gonna get into that. Mm-hmm. But, but anyways, he uh, he he knew, and then the other thing he did, he was gonna replace the carpet, but it was still in turn status when this applicant popped popped up. Okay. So he opted to, okay, I'll allow it with these parameters. Plus I'm not going to replace the carpet. The carpet was okay. just normal wear and tear until after he's in, yeah, yeah. until after the pets are out. So, and he did it and they wanted it short term and they wanted a six month lease. He was open to that as well. Uh, nobody else was giving him the time yeah. of day, right? So it's just in that case, it's yeah. just everything lined up. Everything lined up and it ended up being a 12 month rental for him. Oh, wow. Yeah. They, they, they had some delays on new construction. Pet, and pet rent. He did. That. He did. Okay. He banked some money. And, uh, and turn around now is his whole philosophy's changed. So, hey, hey sure. shoot those situations to me. I might entertain them. Let's talk about pet rent real quick. Cause, okay. um, a, a property that we have used multiple times as a, uh, a target for a discussion, right? Of discussion and, yeah. and just like a goal for, for a lot of people in, in a C market or whatever. This is a target house. It was just, it was done really, really well is, uh, Vienna. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that was when we put that on the market. For rent, it was it's beautiful. It's a two bedroom, one bath. You've heard us talk about it on more than one occasion, probably if you've listened to the episodes. Anyways, um, it was it was a great rehab that we did. We listed it on the market for. Do you remember if it was six eighty five or six ninety five? Six ninety five is what we put it on the market <clears> for. And I mean, they think the owners had even at six ninety five, it would have been over one percent. It would have been. It would have been over one percent. It's getting seven. 745. 745 right now. And the way that it's getting 745 right now is pet rent. That's right. So that is that is a great way if you're if your strategy is And the applicant had two two uh, dogs that uh, the owner decided to approve mm-hmm. and uh, pet rent per month for each of those was $25 based on size and age. Yeah. And so and that that's just speaking on just one of the things that we we normally talk about is just from an investment and a, a cash flow and, and how to how to make your your properties the most profitable properties they can be, uh, really making them the powerhouse of your property portfolio. Man, there's a lot of peace, Brian. We talk about peace. So just doing that, um, that pet rent is, is going to boost that. And if you're if you're using numbers um, to try and sell turnkey, if you're if you're making a uh, flyer for for a property that you're selling in, in, in a turnkey status, you've got it listed on a roofstock or. With with epic, or yeah, we talked about these that in episode three, I believe. Yeah, if, you're, if you if you've got them, if you've got it listed, like hey, other investors nationwide, this property is currently getting this rent. If it's got pet rent in it, that is boosting that number beyond what the regular market is because that's allowing for pets lets you get a little bit of extra money on top of whatever the regular market is holding for it because you've got this is the market for 
a person and a regular tenant being in, in here. Now, this regular tenant, this regular person being in here, having a pet is its own separate marketplace entirely. You can add, if, if I mean, like we talked about, people love their pets. You add that extra income on top of that, that's jumping up your market range, and then that's going to be used as comps because once it's put in there as this is what it's getting for rent, everyone else around them, what is it getting for rent? Six forty-five now. Everyone's market yeah, rate yeah, is up too. Yeah, you're pushing everybody up. It's it's just a I, back to like I just can't understand anybody with just decide no no pets no pets they're out there. It's I know they are, but like come on guys. Just like my example earlier, just keep coming coming back. Man, I'm just telling you, if you're listening, please, just just think you're think of the money that you're leaving on the table. It's like you don't even care about it anymore. You you clearly don't care about money if you don't want pets. Anyways, back to what we're talking about. Okay. So, pet rent, Brian. How how do we work pet pet rent? So again, That's what we're going with, it right? is. Okay. so pet rent was an idea that was introduced in the multifamily space. So apartment communities came up with it uh, because they realized how the number of people that were applying with pets. Mm. And uh, just viewing it as an additional income stream, a way to offset any of their liability financially. And then that was kind of embraced by professional property managers in the residential space. And I, I still remember uh, one of my good friends in Atlanta was kind of a pioneer, Robert Gilstrap. Yeah, he's a member of the uh, He is. He's an ARPA member and actually introduced it to, to the NARPA community. Uh, which were, you know, 6,000 members strong. And, uh, and anyways, it's caught on like wildfire. So everybody's kind of adopted it. And what you'll see is one, one firm will do it in a market, which is where we were. And once we started doing it, our friendly competitors around us started doing it as well. Hey, that's a good idea. Yeah. So we, uh, we've been doing it now for four years. And, uh, really, uh, you know, Jonathan made light of, uh, you know, people, people love their pets and it is so true because you get zero f- kickback. On oh, it. No. I mean, it's no, no you'll, negative you'll feedback that, whatsoever. You're going to get that negative feedback from, well, the market over here, um, yeah. well, can I, instead of paying 700, can I pay 695, but then, uh, well, yeah. $60 better. The fee fee, 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 you know, uh, fee, 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 an ACH, uh, yeah. an automatic draft. So they're, they're not necessarily, necessarily going to pay for that, you know, yard maintenance. No, but they, they, they do the not. They don't balk at it whatsoever. And then while we're on the subject of that, the other thing that we do is we actually hire a third-party uh, company to go out and do our periodic walkthroughs. And I won't call them inspectors, inspections, because we're not inspectors and they're not a home inspection company. But they specialize. Inspections. What what is an inspection? What is that thing that I do when I walk around with my phone and take pictures and stuff? We can get in the whole. That's a walkthrough. That's a a, condition report. You know, whatever you want to call it. But anyways, we hire hire them out. And uh, one of the things that we do with anyone that has a pet, we build it in as a pet inspection an annual pet inspection. Yeah. So it covers the cost for the owner of one of those periodics being knocked out. And by third party, it's a very detailed report, even more so than, than the PDF that we utilize was the inspector. Yeah. But being able to come in and uh, do that, and they don't balk at that either. Uh, and I would say probably we've been doing that for about three years now. Mm-hmm. I've had, I can count on one hand, the number of people that have balked at that at either right. lease renewal or at the time they've signed the lease, but the majority, and we sign well, hundreds of leases a lot of you think of it as... I don't want to say it as a favor, but I mean, I think they, they've had a lot. I mean, still, it's, it's, it's like a condition of acceptance yeah. is what it comes down they, to. They've had trouble with the pets. And, right. you know, they've, they've met other property managers that won't accept pets and other property owners that won't accept pets. And so if you'll, if you'll let them have the pet there, 
well, whatever you need, let me keep that here. A lot of them have that mentality like, okay, okay, I'll do whatever. Yeah, they don't want to rock the boat. Which, let, let me keep my dog. You know, just, if if, if we piggyback that on another episode we had uh, in which we talked about standards and uh, mm-hmm. we talked about setting the standards, but this this engages your tenant as well. Yeah. And because they want to take care of the property, they don't, they know you're coming in. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, our, our practice is when we sign a lease, we create the addendum, letting them know exactly what day we're coming in. And uh, and it's usually, we try to hit that same day. And if not, mm-hmm. we do try to make it convenient for them the week of, but it's going to be that week. And we're going to do that pet inspection and we're going to report the condition back to the property owner. So, so they know you're coming. So they take the precautionary steps to make sure they're all during the lease term. They're taking care of the property and, and managing their pet appropriately. Mm-hmm. And again, like we were talking about with the standards and expectations from the tenant, I think it even though that's not necessarily what's happening, but I think it gives them a level of like, it's kind care. of shoehorning them in. You know? Well, yeah, it is. <laughs> but I'm saying like that level of care, like, yeah, we want you to have your, it, it gives, puts them on that. Like they're not a heartless land, you know, landlord. They right. won't let me have my pet. You know, it let it, yeah, we'll let you have your pet. Well, that's you know, our, because our, it should, we want you to be happy. We want you to enjoy living here. Yeah, our corporate housing pet. company has embraced them uh, so much so that they actually will put a, a bowl mat in shape like a bone with their logo on it. Really? And they have a, a water bowl, a oh, water food a, bowl with a logo in the water. We stayed in Memphis. There was one yeah, that was there. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, so they, you know, it's like, welcome, welcome pets. Yeah. Because so, it's the same thing when they're leasing a uh, corporate apartment, you know, they're paying the property uh, a non-refundable pet fee, but they want to welcome, welcome the, uh, the mm-hmm. animal. So, yeah, just, it, it takes, it takes that whole mentality of, well, the landlord doesn't care into one that's, you know, hey, they care. They yeah. like my pet. So, yeah. Therefore, they like me. Absolutely. So. And so, and so I'm willing to, you know, I'm, I'm going to renew, I'm going to keep this property yeah. until I'm ready to go buy or change my entire living situation. Yeah. They're happy. They have their pet. They have their. They live there. They don't stay. They there. live there. They don't stay there. <laughs> man, how long are we going to be saying that? I mean, it'll forever, man. Until, I, the, I until we it. make it back to love Memphis it. and somebody says something else about it, we'll be saying it. <laughs> Hey guys, Brian and Jonathan here. Today we want to tell you about one of our preferred partners, Rootstock. So what if there was an investing platform that allowed you to collect passive income and generate average annualized returns of over 8% in markets across the U.S., not just the ones in your backyard? With Rootstock.com, you can buy, sell, and own investment properties the way the pros do it and start earning passive income right away. So don't wait. Reach out to them today and get started on Rootstock.com. Um, okay, so let's. All right, so we've talked about. You know, we talk about pet rent. We talk about pet inspection. Can we talk about pet screening. Pet screening. That's what I think we wanted to get into. Yeah. So we. Uh, so what we're currently doing versus what's available and what. Uh, and what we will what be we're doing in the future. Going to be doing at some point in the future. Yeah. So it is a an independent company actually started by one of our fellow property managers and actually. Uh, John used to be a regional vice president. Um, for the, uh, I think it was considered the Atlantic region at the time. He was a uh, RVP, but really the Southeast is what we'll call it. And um, basically, John saw the need because of his property management firm. And and uh, we've had uh, Jen Stoops, who's yeah. his, you know. Jen Stoops was on an earlier episode. Yeah, earlier episode. Uh, and she's the she's she's the nuts and, nuts and bolts behind that operation. Sure. They, they work in about 10 different marketplaces. Yeah. It's a great operation, great folks. But John saw the need and partnered with an attorney friend of his, mm-hmm. and uh, they formed this company called PetScreening.com. 
And basically, it's a screening that's independent of the management company in which the applicant applies. They apply for their pet. Okay. Produces a FIDO score instead okay. of a FICO score. Uh, rates the pet. And they're based within the rating system. Then you can come back and adjust your your rents, your pet rent based mm-hmm. on that or your pet fee or pet deposit based on their rating. But it takes into account... It goes back and does the background information on the pet, including shot records, vet records, identify if it's ever been aggressive, yeah. uh, any reports of it biting or being aggressive toward anyone. Um, does that mean the, certifying the pet? Okay. Does that mean the lower or the le- the less amount of uh, vet records that there are? I mean, the lower the, the FIDO score is going to be. Because yes. First, my, my, my example is I, my. my we live in Alabama, guys. Let me, let me tell you all something about some folks in Alabama. My cousin, I'm going to use him as an example. Sorry, Kurt, you're not listening, but throwing you under the bus here, buddy. He's, he, he found a dog at the airport. He, he works at the airport. He found a dog. Okay. It's a big dog, man. He's I don't know. He didn't know what it is. It's a mutt of some kind. Right. There's no records on this dog. There's no nothing on this dog, but he lives with my cousin. Yeah, but has he once he found it, did he take it to the vet and get it checked or any of that? No. Kind of stuff? Oh wow! Brian, you need to meet my cousin. He's he's okay. he's fun. Uh, trust me, I've got some cousins like that. <laughs> You're from uh, West, Virginia. West Virginia, so you expect that. It's right? the same thing. But I mean, and he's I mean he's a country boy. I mean he's he's just not concerned. He, it's a dog, man. It's a dog. He, he's not taking that yeah. dog into that. But yeah, unless so it, it's it takes all that in consideration and would okay. actually. Put it at a higher risk than it would with, that's what, that's with what somebody okay. with an applicant with a full shot records. And Even if it's the same dog, like pictures of the same everything. Yeah. Also, mutt, but right. mutt that's been taken right. to the vet, taken care of. Uh, has all its shots, okay. and you know, there's no aggressive behavior, or whatever. And this um, is a great dog. I love yeah. that dog. And I don't, if Kurt, you happen to be listening, buddy, I love you, and I love the dog. Cool dog, but like, yeah. You just don't know the history of the animal, the so therefore so the risk is going to be increased, right? Sure. So, and it'll segue into, this is going to segue into ESA and, and service animals. Sure, okay. Because yes. part of what PetScreening.com does, and, uh, and John is uh, he's great about posting information out there for the property management community to see uh, about how they were vetting an applicant that declared their animal might have been an ESA, emotional support animal, which, you know, just very briefly, emotional support animals are regulated by HUD, same one, the same agency that does fair housing for the nation. And then the other classification would be service animals, and service animals are typically dogs or, ironically, and this is, I've always found this humorous, but it's miniature ponies. Yeah. Uh, Minister Horses. So, and those are regulated by Americans with Disability Act, ADA. Sure. So, well, because disabilities are, that's that's falling under fair housing anyway. Correct. So, so and, and so the ESA, the Emotional Support Animal, is a relatively new thing. It's been around for a couple of years now. And, and because it was not. I'm still saying you have to right, let these people But it's, it's largely unregulated in the sense, and they're trying to correct it. I know NARPM's got lobbyists. Uh, and we're trying to do it through our governmental affairs, partnered with the Apartment Association okay. and the National Association of Realtors, just trying to get more regulation in place for a certification, a true certification mm-hmm. system. Um, a lot of states have been tired of waiting. I know Alabama is one of them. So they passed a, a law last year in 2017. I'm sorry, 2018. Wow, it's 2019. That is. Yeah, wow, that's crazy. That's 
stadium uh, it is. before you know it. That's right. 2018, in which, uh, it's although it's a misdemeanor, it is a crime if they falsely uh, report it as mm-hmm. being an ESA, mm-hmm. and they can't uh, quantify that or prove it. So what um, do we have a lot of tenants showing us, saying, this is a... Well, they'll, you know, work. early on, what was happening was, snake it was just a, it was a requirement that the applicant submit the request, okay. and then they could have... Anyone early on, it was anyone saying in a written statement, yes, this person needs this dog for their emotional health. And I'm not saying that doesn't exist. No, it does. But then they they took it a step further and they said, okay, it's got to be a medical professional. Now, not necessarily a PhD. It could be a therapist. It could be whatever. Provide a a statement saying that the person needs it. They don't have to tell you why, because that's a privacy issue, sure. uh, but they do tell you that it's it's a prescribed animal. Okay. Well, Is next, there a limitation as to what can be as an emotional support? Like, can, unfortunately, you're not right now. Cause if you, so people can have a snake and be like, this is my emotional absolutely. support. Absolutely. You know, we always call it the emotional support cockroach. Uh, you know, but the funny, a, the funny thing is the... Who do I know that has a monkey? Well, the story. Do you remember the story about the turkey being on an airplane? <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, it was an emotional sport animal. This has been a couple years ago. Like a but it made national turkey. headlines. Right. They had a turkey uh, that was their emotional guy. support animal, and they brought it on the plane with them in the cabin, the passenger compartment, right? Can a turkey be calm? I don't know. I don't want to find out. <laughs> they, man, this looks like, they got spurs. I used to hunt them back in West Virginia. <laughs> Not here. Uh, but the uh, so the airlines have tightened up. Uh, several states, as I mentioned, have tightened up. So they're trying to do what the federal government hasn't been able to to do thus sure. far. So the hope is that that'll change and become even more regulated. To where, and the reason for that is because you know I, I've. You know, I have stories, and I think I've told you this before. Where I had a friend in, in Phoenix that uh, went to show a couple uh, property. They were applicants to get out to the property, shows them property, and during the course of showing them the house, they said, oh, by the way, we've got a pit bull. Oh, well, I'm sorry. That's a restricted breed. We can't accept mm-hmm. pit bulls. So thank you for your time, and uh, I'm sorry we couldn't help you out. So on the way back to the office, a couple ring-a-dings the office and say, hey, um, yeah, we uh, you know we turned our application in, but we've got an emotional support animal. Oh yeah, what's that? Oh, it's just uh, we have a pit bull. It's emotional support, and uh, you know so there there was that tendency to get animals approved that were either restricted okay. or in areas like you know I hear this all the time because you know a lot of my a lot of my friends have kids in college and a lot sure. of college students are now saying oh well the dorm won't allow me to have a dog so I have an emotional support animal sure so they know, need a lot of emotional support it, they do. that's right. That's it's, right. it's heartbreaking to thinking college nowadays. So, <laughs> so, so there was Sometimes a lot of actually a lot of abuse going on, sure. and uh, you know, and I, we pulled up we pulled up a situation here the other day where we actually had um, we actually had a service dog. We had somebody with two dogs submitted mm-hmm. on application, and they moved in. We were trying to use it as a uh, training example for our okay. staff and other offices. But they had uh, two dogs. One of them was an emotional support animal. Uh, I'm sorry, a uh, service animal. And the other was not. And we got the certification for the service animal, put it on file. Mm-hmm. And the, the kicker is when you have an emotional support animal or a service animal, you really don't consider them an animal. You still do a pet addendum operationally. We can't charge the oh, fees we talked can about. We can't charge any cleaning fees, deposits, fees, extra rents. The, the thing is, it's, it's still enforceable just like it were a pet. So if it has okay. aggressive behavior or is carrying anything up, uh-huh. uh, loud nuisance barking, that sort of thing, you can ask and, and request that the animal be removed from the property. You just can't charge them a pet. You right? can't charge them any of the fees or rents, but you can if they damage the property, you can go after them for the okay. damage. Okay. So that's just to keep our, our listeners from 
freaking out too much about yeah. this. I mean, you are going to be able to make yourself whole if something. But comes unfortunately, any any time you're working with a management firm, a real or a real estate agent, mm -hmm. uh, if you were working with a single agent, or you have four or more properties yourself, you're going to be bound to this yeah. to where you, you may say, Hey, no aggressive breeds. And we're with you on that. And then the person that comes in with a pit bull that actually has documentation saying, Hey, this is an approved emotional support animal. And we have to allow it. And that's the downside of it. The other thing I would caution you, there's a lot of stuff on the internet about, Hey, pay, you know, thirty nine ninety five, and we'll make your animal a, uh, my, my brother did this, and I don't know if my brother's listening. It wasn't high on my uh, agreement list, but uh, you know, wanted to have his dog with him all the time. So he, oh, hey, let me go on the internet, spend this, and I'll send you a nice little vest and a little patch, and you know, a little card saying, "Hey, this dog is an emotional support animal." Um, but they are bogus. Bogus. That's a lot. It's not a certification. It's just yeah. a way for somebody to make some money. So just be wary of that. The cards. Yeah. Well, you've seen them. I have seen um, but they, you know, so they can do take. Do you want to say which brother that was? <laughs> <laughs> I've got, I've got three brothers. No. I won't mention any names. <laughs> he knows. Uh, when, my, when I found out, I was like, I told my wife, I said, can you believe this? And, uh, we're both in property management, obviously. So, um, it's a, it's a stronger point for us than, than the normal person or the listener. But, uh, yeah, just a big, big, big to do about all this. It's been ongoing for several years. It's, it, there are going to be changes in, in a way that service animals have been around forever. Yeah. And, uh, so those are really, well organized. I mean, the procedures for that are, are, are solid and intact, mm -hmm. but the emotional support animals in a, in a state of flux. So I think what, we, what we're getting at here at the very at the end of this, I think we're coming to, is, is there anything else that we want to really focus on when it comes to pets, pet rent, pet deposits, pet damage? Um, what, what, do we want, what do we want our listeners to be really aware of when it comes to, all right, you've got a, you've got a property that you're marketing for rent. You've got a, a whole big pool of people out there looking to rent it. Most of them have pets. Yeah. Some of them have pets, and we'll tell you about them. Some of them have pets that you just have to accept, like it's a, a, another part of them. So, so what what are we what are we wanting to get here? Like, other than I would like everyone to be, you know, just a little bit more on the comfort side of having pets when they hear pets, just for them not to cringe about it, because that's what I run into a lot. I deal with them. I don't, my, the clients that I'm dealing with in most cases are right there at the beginning of putting a property up for, for market for rent. It's right at the beginning port. And, and I'm sitting here, I'm trying to get embraced for what's about to happen. They're stepping into the world of, you know, being a landlord. And so I'm trying to catch them right here and be like, except pets, calm down. And so I would, I would say this. So going back to original stats for yeah. our company, at 63%, we're roughly current current levels of inventory were roughly at 662 properties in our portfolio mm -hmm. that actually had pets. Okay. Okay. 662 okay. at six, 63%. Mm -hmm. At least one, one pet in the household. Sure. Of those, we typically have a little less than 3% overall that damage exceeds the amount of the pet deposit. Okay. Okay. So that is, I'll round up and I'll say worst case scenario, that's 20 properties a year. Out of 662. Out of 662. 60, 62. Yeah. Okay. So that, that kind of gives it a perspective. Yeah. That many properties, that many pets. And that's minimum one pet. I know, you know, I spoke of Robert Gilstrap, and he, he told me that uh, he's got it factored into the average number of pets that 
his tenants have is like 2.3, or he's gone crazy into his metrics, oh. uh, but understands exactly how many pets he has living, which we could calculate that as well, but I just don't want the metrics set up for that yeah. particular piece. Um, but that's that's pretty strong. It speaks sure. to, you know, what you're hearing about are the are the crazy stories that everybody, it sticks in their mind. Yeah, yeah I had this happen. It was Awful, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but just, just well, because no one tells you about the, no, no one tells you, hey, I had a tenant that had a pet and nothing happened. Right. That's not a story. No, that's not no, a story. It's, it's, it's the same thing with like, we, we, we want to do our crazy, crazy stories. Yeah, the can of crazies. Yeah, can right. of crazies is a more fun story than like, We've got a whole lot of tenants that are great tenants. Well, it's why, you know, why do people watch the news? It's not to hear all the feel-good stories. I wish it were, but it's to hear all the, yeah, you know, the see crazy. all the accidents. And, and the, so that's the stories the, that you're going to hear, Was it Don Henley's, you know, dirty laundry? So that, that's all that sticks in my mind. But uh, <laughs> and that's, that's why. that's why you hear these crazy stories. That does not mean don't accept pets. Right. Yeah, I, as a professional manager, I, I think both of us would recommend against that line of thinking. Absolutely. So I know we do on our own properties. Anytime we um, are able to educate our landlords that are open to the idea, which most are. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah. Once I actually present to them um, a much shortened, uh, concentrated version of what we're, we've been talking about today. Yeah, the what's and why's and how's. Yeah. I, I don't hit them with all this stuff because you really need to delve into a full hour conversation of why it's important. But you know this episode is going to be a huge education. Oh, I'm just going to start sending it to them. I'm sorry. I'm just going to be like, uh, this will make it easy. uh, Let me just forward this to you. But (laughs) up until this goes live and I can actually do that, I mean, I basically tell them like, look, you're losing out on most of the market doing that. And sometimes I still get that point, well, I still don't want to. And then I'll come back to them week after week. Well, we were were talking about, a reference back to uh, an earlier podcast that we had where we were establishing limits uh, expectations of the tenants, but we kept referring back to if you have two properties on the same street, yeah. um, and this this is say both of them are equally equipped, rehabs rehabs the same scope and then, same colors. Everybody's yeah, it comes home. down to you taking a pet and the other person not. Guess who's going to get the business? Well, the first yeah. person just from numbers is going to be the one. <laughs> Just because there's more people with pets. Well, and I would say, I haven't, I haven't put a percentage on this, yeah. but I've just noticed a trend over the years that for the majority, not not always the rule, but for the majority of renters, in, and I would say in solid C-class and up, uh, the people that have pets prove to be more responsible and better, and better tenants. Yeah. So they pay on time. There's less damage. Um, now, there's always the exceptions. You drive through the neighborhoods and you see dogs chained up in the backyards. They're, the they're, yeah, they're not really family members. They're, you know, they're strictly there for guarding, guarding the property or whatever. So, but that's not the same situation. But I would say what comes down to it is when you exclude it, some of the better qualified applicants yeah. are the, one, the ones with pets. Agreed. You see that on the front end of the screening process. Well, it takes more effort. Anyways, you're, you're putting more effort into just being alive with a pet. Yeah, we've had owners that say, nah, I know I, I love that credit score and that income, but they got pets. I got to pass on them. And they ended up settling for somebody with a less credit score, less income, you know, so just a higher risk. And it's probably, you know, quite honestly, it's a higher risk than it would have been for the pet. Yeah, because the pet owner, the, the pet owner was going to pay the pet, pet deposit, yeah. the pet fees. And, and was going to care for his he didn't animal. care. And manage the animal. So. But uh, yeah, this, so I think this is going to be a, a a big episode for everybody. Hopefully, everybody got a lot out of that. Do you have any uh, wrap up points or anything that you think we didn't really touch adequately on? Um, not really. I think I think it, it this applies to all classes of property CDNA. Um, I think it's it really runs into every kind of tenant. It permeates every. Instance, it's not like sixty percent or seventy percent, and all of these people fit the same mold. No, it's it's no, not like the top thirty percent or you know some that. No, it's spread. 
that 70% is spread all throughout every kind of tenant and every kind of property. So it's, you can't, you can't say that all pet owners are this or all, all tenants are that or the other thing. It's, it's, it's just so important at how many kind, whatever your strategy is, whatever your strategy is, it applies to you. That these tenants apply to your property, no matter what, no matter what yeah. property you own. If you haven't thought about it, these you, tenants you need to think about this before you get your property up and, and on the market. So, yeah, and we would advise you if if you were signing with us, we would certainly advise you on the front end and, and find out that piece of information from you right from the get go. Mm-hmm. So just make sure whoever you're dealing with, you've thought about this, and uh, when you're speaking with them and, and deciding to partner with them, make sure that you're you're pushing this information out to them immediately. Yeah. Other than that, uh, you know, we're still still looking for a a, a, a nice little you know kicker here at the end, right? Yeah, still, yeah. still still looking for some closing remarks. Uh, uh, yeah. So we uh, in an earlier episode we we said, hey, we're we're looking for a uh, basically a, a slogan, if you will, or, uh, for our sign off, and we've uh, opened it up. So we have a designated email account where you can reach Jonathan and myself. Uh, it is podcast at ahiproperties.com. Again, that's podcast at ahiproperties.com. If you have any questions about anything we've discussed, um, like some more information, we'd be happy to provide that to you. Yeah, but the fun part is... If you, have a, if, you, if you have a good closer, because if yeah. you do, great. Although we want that. That's what I was getting to. We do want If that. you have an idea on a good closer, uh, yeah. you know, just a uh, good closing slogan for us to use going forward. We, we really want to put some thought into it, and I've, and I've held them at bay. It's like we've been thinking about it, but I'm like, we got to let our listeners have some input. I feel like, I feel like it's right there. It's like right, it's like I, oh, we have the idea. I keep thinking it's 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 right there, right? It's a nice little closing catchphrase. I That's what we're looking for. I can't like re- quite <laughs> boil it down to boil it down to one little thing. I, like my, my closing remark needs to be almost an entire podcast. I got nothing for it, man. Uh, but if, if you have any questions other than why do you keep asking me for a closer? Well, the the answer to that is because I want one, but. If you have any questions, uh, we you know we, we have listener comments or whatever. Email them. Yes. Yeah. Send them to us. Let us know what you think. Let us know any questions you have. If you have, if you want to know some, if you have some other crazy pet story, if you want to know more about you know ponies, mini ponies. Yeah. Maybe. I'm kind of curious as to what do we have what you can try to do that we haven't done. I don't. Did they, did they you know it? what I've. Uh, I mean, I know a lot of property managers. I don't know any property manager that have any miniature horses. But that's like the standard. I know. That is a standard of pony. No, it's smaller than a standard. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with that, we're going to wrap it up for today. And we appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. We will be, we come, come back next Monday. We'll be talking about something else. I don't even know what at this point. Uh, thanks so much. Thanks have so a great much. Day. Hey guys, Ryan and Jonathan here. Today we want to tell you about one of our sister companies, the Birmingham Insurance Group. We all know to maximize cash flow and ROI, investors and property managers need an insurance broker who knows their business. Birmingham Insurance Group, aka BIG, does just that. They specialize in the single family residential rental market with customized products that really check all the boxes and they're at affordable rates. They have 24 seven online access where you can pay your bill, add or remove properties, issue certificates, and best of all, everything is on your schedule. Don't worry, they do business in all 50 states, so reach out to Richard Davis and the team to see what Big can do for you. Call them today at 205-616-1107 or online at bhaminsgroup.com.
The songs Lobby Time, Retro Future Clean, and Rocket Power were created by Kevin McLeod of Incomputech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Visit creativecommons.org licenses by 3.0 on the web.